The following program is a Podcast One.com production. Let's play. Recordings, yes. Hello again, my friends. Um, I really should send pictures of my recording contraptions, for lack of a better word, that I assemble in order to do these podcasts on a regular basis. Uh, I've told you about the cone of silence, the foam enclosure that I transport with me wherever I go in my little setup and how I bury my head inside the cone of silence and do my show in the dark. Well, Suzette and I are on vacation in the Caribbean. Yay! And I'm trying to keep up with the shows. And I neglected to bring the cone of silence with me or my usual recording gear. So I had to, uh, well, well, my laptop contains the program that records the show. So I have that with me. So I had to get another microphone, which um, I think is pretty good. It's all right. But the room we're in is a very high ceiling, tiled floor, uh, very loud, echoey kind of room. So to combat that, because I don't have the cone of silence, I've built a little cushion fort around my microphone. So there's something very brings out the child in you when you're in a cushion fort. So I've got all the cushions propped up, creating some kind of a vocal booth to hopefully deaden the sound. I don't know if it's doing anything at all, which will be really a shame. <laughs> I have to sit here in a cushion fort in order to speak to you this week. But I'm, I'm, I'm making, you know, I make an effort. That's what it's all about. I make an effort. So I didn't think that I would actually uh, get to do a show this week. Again, being on vacation, everybody should be able to take vacations, right, and uh, not have to work on their vacation. But I, you know, I was. I, that isn't why I, I inadvertently, well, maybe I subconsciously, guilty as charged. I subconsciously left the. Uh, the recording stuff in the States. But I said, you know, well, if I can do, you know, you know, there's only, there's only so much relaxing you can actually do, you know. So I, after being out on the beach, sitting, listening to the waves with my wife for a while, which I love, by the way, I still said, you know what? I'm going to go inside and record a little bit and I'll be back out in about an hour. And she's like, awesome, go ahead. And uh, so, yeah, so I do, do get to do a show. Now, 
what else did I want to tell you? There's, there's a bunch of things I wanted to relate to you. I, I, I feel like I haven't spoken to you in a long time, or there's so much that we should talk about. I mean, the snowstorm. I'm watching it from afar. Uh, I have a uh, I have a love for snow. I really do, but I have definitely moved away from it and decided that I will enjoy it when I decide to enjoy it, as opposed to having it inflicted upon me. Because I, I loves me a nice snowstorm Ex- until about a day after when it starts turning gray, and you've got to get rid of the snow. You know. Then that's when it becomes a bit of a headache. But so, you know, if I want to see snow, I go skiing, you know, or I'll travel where it's snowy and say, hey, I want it. This is fun. Now let's get out of here and go back where it's warm. But watching the snowstorm from the Caribbean uh, that was in the Northeast where we used to live, and, and we still have kids there and family there, it was uh, something to behold. But the funniest thing about it that struck me was the headline, and I'm paraphrasing it, basically Washington had come to a complete stop because of the snow. Washington, D.C. And I just sat there marveling, going, it wasn't at a complete stop prior to the snowstorm. (laughs) Has anything changed? There was nothing getting done anyway. So whether it's stop for the snow or stop just because of political gridlock it's still at a standstill so so it should just headline should have been business as usual in washington nothing's happening but i'm not going to get political no sir 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 though it would be interesting if bloomberg jumped into the fray i i'm and i i am a bloomberg fan for how he handled new york i lived in the new york area when he was mayor and uh i felt that New York City needs to be run more like a business. It's not a warm and fuzzy experience, and there's really not much diplomacy that needs to go on. Unlike the presidency, which requires people to be diplomats and uh, you know warm and fuzzy with the our with our allies and uh, enemies. Well, not warm and fuzzy with our enemies, but you know what I'm saying. But I am. Uh, I, I would think it would be so. I'm not so sure that Bloomberg would be. A, uh, a great a, a, a great alternative, though having another billionaire businessman in the fray <laughs> might liven things up even more than they already are. Is anything is this uh, this um, political season's anything but boring? All right. So this week, as I wrestled with the fact, you know. That, uh, I, I, that I wasn't going to do a show, was I not going to do a show? Then I came, well, what am I going to do a show about? And while I've got some subjects on the horizon, every few weeks or so, uh, I take like to take questions from you, the listeners, and answer your questions. So I felt it was about time to do that, and, and that worked out great. But herein lies... I don't know if I call it a problem, but a, a bit of a frustration. I do my outreach for my questions on Twitter because it's easiest. And, you know, if you're a regular listener, you know that my conversations are not usually about music. They're all over the place. 
And I would really like my podcast to be more substantive. There's a word for you, kids. Substantive. Uh, than just me talking about the good old days, especially about Twisted Sister, which has a limited audience, and I'd like to reach to a broader audience. That's always my goal. It's always my constant battle. How do I reach a broader audience? So, but when I put the question, so I, so I endeavor to talk about all kinds of different things. I mean, uh, one of the, the one of my subjects in the coming weeks is going to be Area 51. Uh, I've got some really interesting revelations, and they're not what you think. I'm I'm not a uh, uh, extraterrestrial believer per se. Not that I don't think. Uh, not that I think we're the center of the universe and we're the only people out there. I've got my own theories about you know what these sightings are, but there is there's been some government documentation released. After 50 years, because of the Freedom of, of Information Act, that has answered many of the questions we have about Roswell and Area 51. But people, if you haven't read the book, haven't done the research, you're still running around screaming, the, ch- the sky is falling, the aliens are coming. Okay, they're not, by the way. But that, that's a subject for another week. The point being that... This is the range I would like to have with this show. But every time I ask for questions, 90% are about Twisted Sister. 5% are about other music. And then 5% remaining are about something outside of music. And I don't even think the questions I got this week, there was even one that wasn't about music. And I sit there going, all right, what am I doing? I'm, I'm, if you're trying to not talk about music, you're trying to broaden the horizons of your podcast. And after months and months of taking this approach, every time you ask for listener questions, it's about music. Are you getting anywhere? <laughs> is there any, is, 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 are you just like, you know, are you, am I beating my head against the wall? Am I, am I trying to do the wrong show? People are sitting out there screaming, yes, <laughs> yes. Stop talking about this other stuff. We don't care. We don't want to know about how to be healthier or have better relationships or be successful. We want to know what it was like in the 80s. <sighs> I have one last, before I give up, <laughs> entirely on trying to do more with my show before I just say, all right, I am fighting the tide. I can't win here. Just give the people what they want. Well, back in the day, I'm going to have, this week's questions are going to be all Twisted Sister and music related. Yes, pretty much. um, Or D music related. Because that's what I got. But I'm thinking that maybe a lot of my listeners, please God, a lot of my listeners aren't active Twitter followers. A lot of my listeners aren't, you know, day-to-day monitoring 
my Twitter feed. That's more my rock and roll fans. I mean, this is what I'm hoping. And I love having rock and roll fans. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, I'm just looking for more. A broader audience. You know, when I did mornings uh, in Hartford and Richmond, it was all talk. And there was no music. And my talk radio show had a really broad audience. Because we didn't play play music, there was no... Because once the minute you play a song, you're defining your audience. The minute you could talk about you know anything, you, you could talk about any philosophical belief or whatever, and you go, and here's one from Whitesnake, done. Whatever it is you play. It's a country song. It's a reggae song. It's, a, it's an alt song. It's a rock song. It's a folk song. The minute you play... People are hitting the button because now you've said uh, this is for this specific audience. So I did a talk radio show, and uh, it did really well and had a really broad audience because I didn't wasn't I didn't talk about music, talked about everything, and it was men, it was women, it was younger, it was older, it was we had um, rock fans, rock music listeners, and. NPR listeners, reggae listeners, country listeners, because people were tuning in for the content, not for the music. And if, con- if the content appealed to their sensibilities, they were in. As long as I didn't play a song, they were down. So that's, you know, that morning audience I had, and I and did it for three years, and it was very successful. Um, that's what I would like to get with my podcast audience. So my Hope is that by by tweeting to my my regular Twitter followers that this week we're going to do a Q, a show that I am getting questions from my Twitter followers who seem to be predominantly music fans and even more so fans of my music. So I'm thinking that if I put the request for questions for a future show out to you guys listening, the broader audience. I know a lot of you Twitter people are listening, but the broader audience, again, I'm imagining there's a broader audience here. You know, this, let me just live in my dream world where, where there's these people who are interested in, in more than music are listening to my podcast. I, I, I'm, you know, I know, I'm just kidding myself, but... But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it to the test. I haven't actually requested it in so long. I don't know if I can remember my, my, uh, my, my internet email address. But for future shows, if for future questions, I would like you to submit them to SnyderComments at gmail.com. I'm pretty sure that's the address. If it kicks back, try yahoo.com. But I'm pretty sure it's gmail.com. Snyder with an I, comments at gmail.com. Send your questions there. And keep, I'm going to keep requesting that you send them there. Uh, and I'm, and in a, you know, in like three or four weeks, when I do another listener question show, I will go, for, go there. You can also send them to Snyder comments uh, I mean, at Snyder Comments, my Twitter handle. 
But then again, so you can go to either of those places. Don't send them to at D Snyder. So go to either at Snyder comments by Twitter handle and submit your questions for a future Q and a, or go to Snyder comments at gmail.com. And my Kevin, my show producer, Ray left. Um, but Kevin will collect these things and I will use them in the future. All right. I'll be back with your questions. All right. So I'm vacationing with my wife in the Caribbean. We're actually in the country of Belize, formerly known as British Honduras. We come down here a lot. We really like it. But I got to tell you, this place needs true car. You can't find a new car in this damn place. This stuff is beat to crap. Uh, to find a car without a cracked windshield, I know I may be over-exaggerating, but that's, that's like, you know, that's the prize. When I go to rent a car, it's a bunch of beaters, and I just look and find the one with the least cracked windshield and say, winner. See, but I think this is because they don't have new cars here because they don't want to buy new cars because they're afraid of dealing with a dealership, afraid of dealing with salespeople, afraid of not getting a fair price on a new car. So they ride around these old beaters year after year after year because they don't have true car. But you do have true car. You can go online and find the fair price on a new car via true car. With TrueCar, you can see what others in your area have paid for the same car you're looking for, which helps you determine a fair price. They can't get a fair price in Belize. That's why they're stuck with the beaters. Then you get a guaranteed savings certificate from a TrueCar certified dealer. Your savings will be honored by a TrueCar certified dealer without the need to negotiate. You think the Belizeans would be driving around in beaters if they had this opportunity? If they had a TrueCar certified dealer honoring the, their TrueCar certifi- savings certificate? Of course not. TrueCar users save an average of $3,221 off MSRP. They're saving the money that people here in Belize are paying for their beaters. I'm telling you, they need TrueCar. There's no hassles or headaches. It's how car buying was always meant to be. Over 2 million cars have been sold by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network, not here in Belize, but in the United States. And there are over 10,000 dealers in the True Car Certified Dealer Network, so you will work directly with a True Car Certified Dealer contact. Look, do what they can't do here in Belize. Visit TrueCar.com or download the True Car app and start saving. True Car, never overpay. So... I got a bunch of questions, and like I said, I, 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 I love you for asking questions. I love you for being interested. You know, don't misunderstand my frustration or, or seeming disappointment. It's not frustration directed at you. It's not disappointment as opposed to what it is. Well, it is a degree of disappointment in that, as you know, I have chosen to take the path, the road less traveled and to try and broaden my my horizons as an entertainer and and challenge myself to do things that others have not. And I've hoped to take you the listener with me um and my fans with me and some of you come along for the ride but for many of you, uh, you're not interested. 
I'm cool with that. You didn't sign on for it. You didn't sign on for the D does Broadway or the Christmas music. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't sign on for a horror movie or, uh, or, you know, or, uh, you know, an actor D Snyder, which by the way, is something I'm, I'm trying to pursue now. My, my, a lot of my agents, my son, who's a director, writer, my, and, and others who are around me have been encouraging me to pursue more acting. And, uh, so, you know, they, they, Say I have, there's evidence that I have a talent of sorts, I guess, which is flattering that people think so. And I wouldn't mind exploring that. Again, the challenge of something different, the challenge of something new, to do some indie films, to do whatever. You know, just like I did Holliston um, a, very, a couple of seasons with a very funny sitcom that was on Fearnet, and hopefully it's going to come back to life available on demand for a third season sometime in a not too distant future adam green joe lynch and the crew uh, you know really brilliant show that i got to act out in although if you saw the show it really wasn't much of a stretch i played lance rocket um a, a 50 something wannabe rock star who's still living in the 80s which i am not but a little side story on that i when i was offered the role the character, Lance Rocket, was, you know, by day the general manager of a cable, uh, net, a local cable television outlet. By night, he plays with Diver Down, the world's best Van Halen tribute band. But like Klinger from MASH, he walks around day in and day out in full 80s regalia. Full face of makeup, hair out, spandex platform boots, nail polish. He's like living it. He's always on Lance Rocket. It was a very funny character. And when Adam Green, the creator of the show, asked me if I was interested in playing the part, I thought, this is awesome. Here is my chance to parody all of my peers, to make fun of all of my peers, including myself. Because I certainly realized that I am one of those 80s iconic rock guys. So, and approaching the role, you know, what's my motivation, man? Approaching the role, I, I said, okay, so, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, I'm going to wear and do everything like the lamest interpretation of the 80s because so many of the 80s wannabes were just jumping on the bandwagon and trying to fit in. They really didn't get it. They were buying the cookie-cutter clothes and wearing the prerequisite, you know, studded wristband and, you know, and, and putting the makeup on. And you could see it reflected in, you know, a lot of when you, when you see people talking about the past, even bands that were successful, and they talk about how they dressed and how they looked, and they're, they're almost like apologizing, most of them. You know, I saw this, it was, there was a magazine called Faces, and I think it's back out again. And it had, no, Metal Edge, Metal Edge, remember that one? And it had, at the, um, for a while there, each month, it had a question that they asked a whole myriad of 80s rockers to answer. And how it worked was, you did an interview, and they fired off these dozens of questions at you, and you gave your answers, and they stockpiled them. 
So they had all of these interviews, and they got all these questions answered. So every month it would be another question asked to these rockers and rock stars, and then they would print their answers. And it would be like, you know, 50 of us, and there'd be 50 of our answers on the page. Some of you may remember it. It was, it was kind of a cool thing. But one month the question was, when you see pictures from back in the day, what do you think? And I knew what my answer was, and I'll tell you that in a second. And I'm looking at reading the answers, and 99% of the people are apologizing. It wasn't my idea. Everybody was doing it. Management made me dress like that. I'm embarrassed. It was all like looking back, and 99% were qualifying or trying to explain or make an excuse for how they looked in the 80s. Then it came to Dee Snyder. When you look back at those pictures of you in the 80s, what do you think? Dee Snyder, I think I look cool. I do. We weren't jumping on a bandwagon. Twisted Sister, we're the original hair farmers. As can be seen in the upcoming documentary, We Are Twisted Effing Sister, the band formed in 1973 at the height of the original glitter movement. So they, the, the original guys, JJ and the four other guys in the band, were jumping on the New York Dolls bandwagon. By 1976, that was deader than a doornail. Nobody was doing it. And when I joined the band, I was like, I don't care if anybody else is doing it. I'm doing it. And I kept doing it and kept doing it. And Kiss took their makeup off because it was so unpopular. And I kept doing it. And it took, as you'll see in the documentary, it took six and a half years for the band to get any kind of a record deal. Eight and a half years for the band to break. So trust me, there was no Motley Crue or Rat in 1977 doing this. No. Twisted Sisters stood alone. When we got over to the UK in 1981, there was no barrage of hair bands. It was a, there was no such thing as hair band. There was Maiden and Motorhead and Saxon and Metallica and Twisted Sister. We were the weird ones who wore the makeup. We were a metal band. There was no sub-genre. There was no, oh, that's hair metal. No, it didn't. It was just metal. There's the metal. And then, you know, and there was different types of metal bands. And we were the metal band that wore makeup. Then more bands started picking up on it, started getting into it. And I very much know that we were one of the bands that were igniting that thing. I call us the original hair farmers. We damn well were. And then other bands started to form. And by, the, by 1980, suddenly there's an eruption of bands who were slapping on the, putting on the slap, as they like to say, putting on the makeup and, you know, and poofing out the hair. And it's become a movement. And then it becomes a subgenre. Then it becomes known as hair metal, which really sort of trivializes the movement. But it is what it is. People call it hair metal. I'm cool with it because we're the hair, we're the original hair farmers. Yeah. So other people were jumping on the bandwagon. We were leading the charge. We were fighting our way through the bars, wearing that excrement all over our faces and bodies. 
So I look back with great pride. So when I get the opportunity to play Lance Rocket in Holliston, I think it'll be a blast to mock the whole movement and everybody. So the first day on the set, I pieced together the lamest. And this, Suzette came in uh, season two and really elevated the insanity of Lance Rocket. But season one, with the help of the, uh, the wardrobe people who were young 20-somethings who had no connection to the 80s, so they're just viewing it from afar, they had pieced together the lamest stuff. A red pleather cut-off jacket, a, a black-and-white striped pants, pair of cowboy boots, all of the, you know, the, the prerequisite, as I said, studded wristband. And I'm putting this stuff on and putting on the lamest, you know, lip gloss and, and like just like laming it out. This was, you know, hair band front man 101, what I would be caught dead in. So I get all dressed and it's my first take and I'm walking from the dressing room to the set it's it's a it's a stu- it's a you know film studio and as i'm walking there in my lame ass 80s frontman outfit some guy working on the set you know some key grip or electrician but you know just a dude it wasn't wasn't on our show he was working on another show sees me and yells yo d Still rocking the outfit. And throws me the horns. And I'm like, wait, what? This isn't. He thought that, A, this is what I wear around on the streets. This is how I look. All my efforts (laughs) to get people to think of me differently as I've matured. He sees me wearing this lame-ass, cliche, 80s metal outfit. He thinks this is what I walk around like. And he thinks this is my outfit. I mean, he thinks it's still rocking the outfit. I thought that I was... Here I thought that my look and my clothes distinguished me from all the others out there. And, and I know you people are sitting there going, yes, it did. We knew that. No, yeah, but I'm talking about to the masses. Not to the, the true fan. To the masses. I thought everybody knew the difference between me and Kevin Dubrow. Or me and Vince Neal. Or me and Paul Stanley. And the fact is, to the masses, we all look the same. It's racism, I tell you. It's racism. We all look the same. I was crushed. Here I was getting ready to go mock my peers, and the only person I was mocking was me. That was crushing. That was crushing. But I I went off on a tangent, as I usually do. And I hope you don't hate that too much. And the point is <laughs> that 
I continue to try to do different things. But it seems in the classic Godfather 3 line, every time I think I'm getting out, they keep pulling me back in. They, you know, that I really can't, you know, I, and, and on, on the positive side, I made such an indelible impression on culture, on our people, that I left a mark. Call it a skid mark if you want to, but I left a mark that I can't change. But it's an accomplishment to leave a mark like that. Or a scar, if you will. I left a scar, a stain. All right, call it whatever you want. People remember it. But uh, anyways, so I'm going to go to the questions. And, um, you know, I'm, I, 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 I sort of, again, I'm sorry, people. They're a little mundane. I was hoping for more. But this is the questions you want answered. But I, I, I picked out ones that at least challenged me a little bit or suggested a little more than, you know, what's your favorite Twisted Sister song? Um, so uh, here we go. Question number one. Where are you? I know you're here somewhere. I, I was like, ah, from Joe Schoolcraft. Joe, is that your real name? Are you a teacher? Because if you're not, it's a waste of a perfectly good name. Joe Schoolcraft said, if you had to talk with Tipper Gore 30 years later, what would you tell her about the witch hunt she perpetrated? Well asked Joe Schoolcraft. Um, you know, I never got to meet or speak with Ms. Gore. And not, uh, there was never a time where we came face to face. Well, we were in the room together during, you know, the Senate hearings. I saw her, she saw me. Uh, but we never, uh, like Frank Zappa went on to do like television shows and debates with her. I mean, I believe he had dinner with the Gores and, you know, socially, um, you know, adversaries, you know, but being civil. Uh, but I didn't want to go down that path. And uh, I didn't have any interest in seeing someone who had said such l- vicious lies about me and my music. But 30 years later, if I was to meet her now and, uh, you know, I, I would, I guess the first thing I would say is, do you still feel like you felt back then? Knowing what you know, having had time to process the information and, and offered a counterpoint from some reasonably intelligent people, myself, Frank Zappa, John Denver, having heard artistic counterpoint, now that the dust is settled and you're not trying to impress your friends or your husband or your husband's friends, do you still feel the same way? You backed away from it like crazy when your husband was, you know, vice presidential candidate with the Clintons and you're dancing around doing the boogaloo on TV to don't stop thinking about tomorrow. You know, we talked about it like, oh, you poo-pooed the whole thing. But it was a vicious personal attack. It was hurtful. So I said, do you still feel the way you feel? And if you do, how can you? Unless you're just completely moronic, how can you not have learned anything from that experience? 
And if nothing else, what about casting aspersions upon others? Throwing stones, if you will. I could, I'd have to say, you know, you judged me, yet here I stand, 30 years later, still married, same woman, raised a family of four successfully. I've got grandchildren. I've stood by, lived by everything that I stated at that Senate hearings. Every statement I made, there was no backpedaling on my part, no downplaying of anything on my part. But you have unfortunately gone through a divorce. You have fortunately have had, unfortunately have had problems with your children, where at least one was busted for possession. And I'm not saying parenting is easy or marriage is easy. It isn't. And I feel, you know, there's, there's no guarantees. I mean, hell, my parents did the best they could, and I was arrested a few times. But the idea for you to stand in judgment as you did A, that's not very Christian. And B, that is just flat out wrong. So now that you've seen the folly of your ways, can you at least say that you were wrong? I doubt she would. But that's what I would like to say to her. Let's go to another question. I'm looking for good ones now. I actually start a couple. I, I, what I do is I, I cut and paste the links to the uh, questions, and then I, I, I bring them up. Uh, and to, so, I figure, so I have a whole pile of them, and I don't really remember what they are. Just have the links. Next question. <clears throat> this one comes from Gabe. Says, talk about new music and give props to the musicians that are standing out instead of being another drone. All right, Gabe. First of all, who are you talking to? Me? What are you in your living room? Oh, yeah, you are in your living room. You're obviously not standing in front of me talking to me with that tone. What's with the tone? Easy. This is this is a this is just like a subtle. You know, there's an insult wrapped into this question, which is a fair question. But don't be a tough guy from afar. I've been dealing with people like you for my entire freaking life. Don't be, don't be a tough guy sitting behind your machine. Just, just, be a, just be a person, ask a question, leave out the little dig, leave out the little insult. Say you, um, you want to be a, music, a magician. Well, why did you want to be a magician? Because you liked magic. Why did you like magic? Because it was, it amazed you. It surprised you. It shocked you. It confounded you. It was magical, hence the name. So you decided you want to be a magician. And what's the first step to being a magician? Figuring out how they do the trick. Now it's no longer magical. It's no longer mysterious or wonderful. 
It's mechanical. And this is, it was Tom Savini, a special effects makeup artist extraordinaire, who, uh, who verbalized this for me. He says, you know, I got into special effects makeup because I, th- I saw Lon Chaney Jr. and Lon Chaney, and I was amazed, amazed looking at them on the screen. How do they do that? I want to do that. So I figured out how to do it. It's not amazing anymore. Now it's a bunch of, you know, plaster and casting and, you know, and tubes. And I mean, it's wonderful and exciting and it's a great uh, profession to be in. But all of us who see something wonderful on a stage, we pull back the curtain. We see that the all-powerful Oz is just some dude with a machine. And uh, we still want to be there. We still want to do it. But that magic is gone forever. So having pursued a career in music, it has toned down that fanatical love that I had for it as a kid. Because now I relate music more to a work thing for me. So it's, it's like when I'm working, when I'm doing my job, it involves music, whether it's music on the radio or music with the band or, you know, or creating music for other projects, or writing a musical. It's all tied into a career effort. So I rarely listen to music or explore music. But every now and then, a handful of bands. And again, you, you could say, well, there'd be more of these bands, D, if you, if you spent time researching and exploring and listening and you're right but I don't have the time and I don't have the the inclination so these bands that I find they somehow break through this jadedness that I've gotten again don't say with jaded means there's no love there's love but it's now my profession but they break through in the most inadvertent ways and when I find these bands I sing their praises to the mountaintops but that magic is rekindled and I thank God for it one of the first bands in a long time to do that was uh, Foxy Shazam Eric Nally and company this band is Queen meets the darkness my daughter turned me on to them they make me feel like, made me feel, they broke up. But they're still music, I love their music, like a rock fan kid again. I found myself, after discovering their music, going to their website and watching their videos and, and ordering merch, ordering merch, going to see them in clubs. I mean, in the crowd, and people turn and go, hey, aren't you? And go, shut up, I'm watching Foxy. You know, I mean, just... They made me a rock fan again. And unlike back when I was a rock fan, now I, I get to, to know the bands and be friends with the bands besides. But Foxy Shazam is one of, was one of those bands. Now the band had broken up, and Eric Nally got pulled from obscurity by Macklemore, who turns out was a... Foxy fan. And he reached out to Eric and said, Hey man, 
uh, would you be interested in writing a song with me for my new album? And if you don't know who Macklemore is, look it up. The guy's freaking huge pop star. So they, he flies, Macklemore flies Eric out to Seattle. They go in the studio. They write a song together. They record it. And Eric goes back home to Cincinnati. You know, yeah, yeah, it's cool. Guy's a fan. He's a big, he's a big star. He, he wrote a song. I'm able to get a song on a record. Because a few months later, a call comes in from Macklemore. says, dude, it's the single. Will you be in the video? So now Eric's in the Macklemore video. And I see, I get a call. Eric Nally is on the, opening the MTV Awards. I turn on the TV, because I don't watch the MTV Awards anymore. And there he is singing downtown. And there he is on the Today Show and the Tonight Show. This song is huge, downtown. And he's got writing royalties on it. He's got millions and millions of hits. He's doing a solo album now. So it looks like Eric may have been rescued by a fan, Macklemore. And thank God, God bless you, Macklemore. You're not my cup of tea, man, but um, although I really like that thrift shop song. I think, I think your general attitude is pretty freaking cool, dude. Downtown, thrift shop, the stuff I've heard is pretty cool. But the point is, so there was a band. Another band that made it through the haze, Ignite. This hardcore, original hardcore border, uh, punk metal out of uh, Orange County, they got together in like 1989. This is, they were, this is at the end of the, the, the height of the, height of the hair metal thing. They put together a hardcore band. And they never really broke through, and they've only done three albums in the last, was it, 20 years? 25 years? Amazing, man. I heard them working out with uh, my trainer in the gym. He listened to hardcore, and I was hearing a lot of bands I never heard before. And I'm going, kid, this one band keeps coming up. I'm going, who is this band? He goes, every time a track comes on, it's Ignite. So I get an Ignite album, and Ignite ignites the fire in me, the, the, just that passion for music. So Ignite is, an, is another one, and they just released a new album. All the original guys, because um, the singer Zoli's been, who I'm friends with, has been singing with Pennywise since their singer left. They put together the original band, put, just releasing a new album. It's as good as it ever was. Get their stuff, people. Melodic, hardcore, metal. It's by today's standards not hardcore at all. They're, old, but they're one of the original hardcore bands, and those bands are like are melodic by comparison. But Ignite lit me up. I have one, I have one more for you on that. The third band that falls in that category, Monster Truck, my latest love, out of Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. I'm up in Toronto doing the Rock and Roll Christmas Tale, and I go into a juice shop, a juice shop, to get some fresh-pressed juice. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm a health nut. And there is this Leonard Skinner meets Audio Slave band. This track is blasting. And I go, and I walk up the counter and go, who is this? It like immediately hits me. And the young kid back goes, dude, it's Monster Truck. It's a new single. So who is Monster Truck? Oh, they're a band out of, you know, uh, uh, blah, blah, blah. 
So I go look them up, pick up. They have an EP uh, and, and, and an album called Furiosity. The EP's called Brown something. Uh, every song, top to bottom, powerful, hard, edgy, soulful, with that anger that I have. Songs like Don't Tell Me How to Live and The Lion. I mean, just that same, you know, middle finger raised high. And I've just become this junkie for Monster Truck. Of course, the band here sees me tweeting away like like a lunatic about Monster Truck. They reach out. And now I know John, the lead singer, uh, bass player, songwriter in the band. And I'm a biggest Monster Truck fan. They've got a new album coming out as well. um, I'm forgetting the name. I pre-ordered it. I pre-ordered the new album. I haven't done that since Zeppelin. Physical graffiti. So every now and then, and I know this, you know, and I I spoke about this at length when when Gene Simmons went to GQ and said that rock and roll was dead. And and I I posted, you know, I posted an open letter on my Facebook page um, disputing what he said about music, that there are no... There are no more Dylans. There are no more Hendrixes. Rock and roll is dead. Don't even bother trying. And one thing I have learned through going to shows with my daughters, my sons, is it is anything but dead. And there are great musicians and talented people. And there are the new Dylans and new Hendrixes and the, the new Zeppelins. They're out there. Sadly, the industry is gone. The machine to get them to the public is gone. The new way of getting music limits the audience. It makes it very targeted. So, you know, the fans of that genre, that specific genre, and it's very split down, they only know about a band. So they have their fans. And if you go to these clubs and you go to these small halls or go to these, you know, the Van Warp Tour Festival or things like that and see these bands, you see thousands of passionate young fans singing every word. And you see passionate young musicians playing their hearts out for the reason, the, the real reason you should be playing, not the money, because there's no money there. There's little money there. They're doing it because they got to do it, because they love it. They're out there. you got to look for them. And sometimes they just find you on their own. And I say to those bands who found me, thank God you did because you light me up. And to the bands that I don't know about, that if I spent time like I did when I was a kid, just listening to everything, when I had the time to do that, bands that would light me up, that are out there, the talent that's out there, I'm sorry. But there are music fans out there ready for your music. You know that. I know that. There are young music fans out there spending that time just endlessly listening to track after track, trying to find those great bands. So, Gabriel, F you. I ain't a drone.
All right, as always, just want to take a minute to thank all my great sponsors and all of you great listeners for supporting my podcast. I certainly could not do this show without either of you, and I wanted to remind you that you could shop with Amazon and support my podcast. Go to Podcast One and click on Killer Deals in the menu bar. Then select my show, and you'll be directed to my personal Amazon banners that include my unique URL as well as the sponsors who bring you my podcast every week. Just click and shop. And for all my listeners in Canada and the UK, I've got links for you too. So check it out and buy the products you already planned on purchasing. Just use my Amazon page first, please. Thank you for downloading, subscribing, and of course, supporting my show. And now back to Snyder Comments. Well, what do you know? Looks like I'm only going to get to three questions because I do blabber on uh and uh they're the three that i highlighted as being less what's your favorite twisted sister song or you know twisted sister question um and this one comes from uh pat who uh, elijah's dad I, I i he's asked questions good questions before he says i'd like to hear your thoughts on the whole academy awards boycott by black actors due to no black nominees you know i am Absolutely for racial, religious, sexual, every kind of equality. I truly believe all men and women were created equal genetic abilities aside. Back when I was a kid, there were no female cops, only male. And it was requirement. You had to be a certain height. Because it was rightfully believed that with height came authority, with height came size, with height came strength. And there were strength requirements as well. They were all tied together. But he told me stories of how guys who desperately wanted to be policemen, who were like 5'9", would do things like they would sleep on a stretcher. Because during the night, you're, you're the, the, verte- the cushions between your vertebrae they uh, relax because the press, there's no downward pressure and they expand a little bit and you can gain some height. And guys would be brought in on stretchers, carried in by their friends and stood up for their measurement in hopes that they, their spinal column would have expanded and they'd just make the cut. And if they didn't, nine and a half, five foot nine and a half, no. Five ten, no exceptions. Well, when they decided that women would be allowed to be police, which I, even as a young child, said, yeah, that's right. They decided they were going to change the requirements, the height requirements. Because most women aren't 5'10". Well, the height requirement wasn't there because they didn't want short women. It was there because... There's a belief, and rightfully so, as I went through in the beginning, that with height comes certain other important qualities that were important to being a policeman. There are certain strength, there were certain strength requirements to being a fireman. You had to carry the equivalent weight of a human body up and down a ladder, or wherever the rules were. I don't know the exact rules, but there were strength requirements. When they started letting women be firemen, They modified those. No. 
Women should be allowed to be firemen. Women should be allowed to be anything a man is if they can compete. It's not even compete. Qualify on an equal level. Those are important rules. They were implemented for a very important reason. They shouldn't be modified to afford equality. And I feel like that with everything across the board, with religion and with race as well. Now, when it comes down to the Academy Awards here, you know, it is, it appears like there's some sort of plan to keep black actors and actresses from being nominated. With the thousands of people who are part of the Academy, who are voting, these are, for the most part, the most liberal, lefty, creative bunch of people. We're talking, these are actors and creators. Yeah, you got your Reagan in there and you, you've got some, you have some righties in there for sure. But for the most part, they're very liberal. They're, they're not racist. Now, there's some issues in there with the voting where it's predominantly white. Uh, the Academy is predominantly white. But, and, and where the Academy is predominantly older, older over 50. So they think there's some mentality issues and because they're mostly white, they're, I, I, I don't see that. I don't see that. I see individual people voting, sometimes being uh, political. It's very political, by the way. The Academy Awards, there's a lot of people working behind the scenes trying to get you to vote for their people or whatever. But it's never, I'm, I'm one of the people, I'm not in the Academy, but I'm in the Screen Actors Guild, the SAG Awards, the AFTRA Awards. I'll get, uh, they'll send me uh, postcards and letters and for your consideration and and uh, and and they'll send me an advanced copy of movies and stuff like that and things that I can vote on. And I've never sensed anything like this. Oh, vote for this white guy. It's vote for our creative property. It's not. It's, not, it's never singled out who's in it specifically that they're working harder to get the white guy. I never, you never get a sense that that's going on at all. It's purely a matter of, hey, we worked on this movie, and we want our movie to win. So while there's this movement to boycott the Academy Awards, I think people who know and are reasonably intelligent and uh, Jada Pinkett Smith should be smarter. And I really like her because she's a headbanger, you know? Um, and, and it's this, really, it's, it's not this sense of there's this targeting to eliminate actors of color. You know, I just don't think that Will Smith did the job from the reviews. I didn't see the movie Concussion. That was worthy of an Academy Award nomination. And the other guy, and I'm forgetting his name, but the one who was in the Avengers and the one everybody's talking about who plays the African warlord. Um, I think that he, that he should have been nominated for Academy Award. But it was a Netflix movie. And I do think that Hollywood has a bit of a hard-on, for lack of a better word, towards that. Like, that's not real films. You know, HBO movies, 
if you if you allow Netflix, the next thing you know, Game of Thrones is going to be nominated. Like they don't consider that yet real movie making. It's not considered legit. There's actually a term, by the way, in Hollywood. Or oh, are you? It's actually on Broadway. Are you legit? Meaning you're doing Broadway. You're doing theater. Theater's legit. Everything else is BS, according to people who do theater. Um, not me. So I don't think that that is the case. And I think that that, uh, the ignoring of that actor in particular, was more ignoring a Netflix movie and not accepting it as an actual legit film. So no, I don't think it's a good thing. All right. Um, So listen, if you, for future shows, if you got questions, please, anytime, and I'll keep pushing you to do this, submit them to at Snyder Comments, not at the Snyder at Snyder Comments, or SnyderComments at gmail.com. Send your questions. And another three or four episodes, I'll do a, a, an audience you know, listener, and hopefully I'll get more questions like that one, <laughs> which will make me feel like I'm reaching a broader audience. And I love you, music people. I do. I do. I do. I just want to reach more people. I think I've got more to offer. Maybe I'm crazy. I just got to like, just say, you know what? Just pack it in, son. (laughs) Just give them what they want. All right. Have a great week. See you next time on Snyder Comments. Stay tuned for the latest AP News headlines from Podcast One, right after this. When shopping for car insurance, consider this. GEICO has been saving people money on car insurance for over 75 years. So if you're serious about savings, it's simple. Go to GEICO.com. After 75 years, they know how to save you money. AP Update, I'm Diane Kepley. Entertainer Bill Cosby and his lawyers are in court today in Pennsylvania trying to put an end to one of the sexual assault lawsuits filed against him. Legal analyst David Walker was in the courtroom this morning where he says defense attorneys are taking aim at the prosecution's case. What the defense done has is, is, is gone on the offensive. They have come out swinging uh, and they've used this, this opportunity to basically show that what they think is uh, a weak case uh, that the Commonwealth hands has or intends to put on. A former district attorney who investigated a 2004 sexual assault allegation against Cosby says he found the case against the entertainer to be flawed. He says he declined to prosecute Cosby for that reason. Defense lawyers want a judge to dismiss the felony case against Bill Cosby. A new prosecutor arrested the entertainer in December, just before the statute of limitations in the case had expired. AP Update. I'm Diane Kepley.